0: everybody, welcome to episode 3 of The Convo. I'm your host, Ryan Kahn. Uh, today's episode was recorded around Mother's Day, and that's appropriate because we're bringing you a glimpse of what it's like to bring a child into these uncertain times, as every public figure likes to say these days. My um, guest is Harry Sayer, who wrote a wonderful piece on new mothers for the Sarasota Observer. Harry is also a photo wizard, so eventually our conversation turns toward art and journalism, and we end with a conversation about films we've watched in the last few months uh, You know, while we've been stuck at home. I got some great recommendations from it, and I think you will too. Uh, We're still using Zoom to record our audio, so in the beginning of the episode you might hear a few glitches, some bleeps and bloops. It shouldn't hinder your experience too much. Uh, Thank you to The Howl and The Hum for the use of our theme song Hall of Fame off the album Human Contact. Uh, which you can and should listen to wherever you listen to music. It's pretty great. And now, enjoy the convo. So today uh, I am joined by Sarasota community reporter Harry Sayer. Harry, how are you?
1: I'm feeling great, Ryan. How about yourself?
0: Uh, I'm doing okay, man. It's uh, it's quarantine. What can I say? I, well, I guess we're starting to come out of it a little bit, slowly but surely. But you know, it's it's still the same basic routine. Still working from home, you know, as much as I can. So, um, but but how are you? How are you? How are things on your end?
1: You know, I'm doing okay. I found quarantine to be a, a fascinating mix of uh, great emotional breakthroughs and emotional breakdowns, and you kind of just juggle which one from day to day. Uh, But lately I've been feeling pretty good about stuff. I've I've found some kind of nice routine, and uh, I feel like I'm kind of learning to do some new stuff, which I think is the best you can ask for in this great pause of society that we find ourselves in right now.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask, I mean, I know you're, you're maybe like the most extroverted person I've ever met in my life. So um, is this, do you think this has been tougher on you than on most people just, you know, from kind of what you hear?
1: That's a really good question. I've been asking myself that a lot as well because I definitely do like crowds and groups of people. But the, uh, the other side of that is when I'm not with giant crowds of people and I'm doing my, my uh, motor mouth thing is that I need to be home and recharging. It's not the kind of thing where I can just do it all the time. Uh, you know, if you saw me on the street, I'll probably have my headphones in and just kind of like in my own personal world. So I've been enjoying being alone sometimes. And then other times I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm clawing at the walls. So it's not like I'm, I'm dying here. It's just more just such a massive shift in kind of how I operate and, and what's expected of me that it's, it's been interesting trying to, to figure out, uh, what kind of of role I'm supposed to have in all this. And, And I know I'm not the only person who feels that way. It's just, uh, it's it's a very, very interesting time, and I don't mean that in a great or terrible way. It's really just a mix of both.
0: Speaking of clawing at the walls, how's uh, how's your cat Bright Eyes doing?
1: Um, my cat's good. Uh, she's super stoked that I'm here all the time. Uh, she's got the uh, energy of a kitten still. I thought that would like have dropped by now, but she's looking at me right now on the counter. Uh, I know she wants me to play with her, but uh, I guess I'm going to be a neglectful parent talk with you no she's good it's uh it's like it's it's gonna have a pet here because then I think I might actually go crazy if I didn't so
0: yeah I completely understand that I I have been looking uh trying to find like a dog or something that I could adopt but my apartment complex won't let me take a puppy they have to be at least one years old
1: how would they know the, the the age of the dog
0: I guess they would get like medical records or something. I'm not really sure. Okay, I
1: guess you would have to prove, you would have to introduce paperwork in that process. I shouldn't advocate for anything else. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yeah.
0: So I I totally get the need um, because I am going a little bit crazy myself. But as much as I would like to talk about pets all day, uh, that's not why we're here. We are here to talk about a story you wrote about uh, newborn babies and their mothers and how you know together they are kind of handling this, stay-at-home situation that we all find ourselves in. So I guess, Harry, my first question to you is, how did you first come up with this story? And then, you know, from a journalistic perspective, you know, how did you kind of tackle that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we've been wanting to do a Mother's Day feature uh, for the paper for this week, and we're kind of thinking about ideas. And something that's been interesting to me with this pandemic the entire time is that uh, it's kind of affecting everyone in different ways because we have no firm of reference for this and it is truly intense for a lot of us. And that kind of got me thinking, what happens when you cross a bizarre societal event like this with an, another incredibly intense part of your life which is, you know, being a mother or in this case, being a new mother. I mean, that that's a whole level of, of pressure and, and priorities that I, I was fascinated by, so I thought it'd be a good idea to speak with some mothers with new children, uh, either you know a few months ago, a few weeks ago, what have you. And basically, just by luck of the draw, I had already known a couple people in the community who had just given birth one uh, mother had around two and a half months ago. One had uh, a few weeks ago, and then uh, I, so that was where I started. And then uh, you know, this was like a cosmic answer to my problem: is that the day I pitched the story to our boss, uh, a third person that I knew went into labor and was headed towards the hospital. And I was like, well, you can't, you can't say no to that. That's that's the universe talking there. So basically, I just kind of outlined those three, and I kind of just want to start thinking. You know, what are those? small details or unique experiences that they're all having that kind of makes them stand out in all of this because that that's a more interesting situation than a lot of us do you know a lot of us our problems are do we have you know water or gatorade for breakfast or should you, you know make sure to get an exercise other people right now are figuring out that they have to take care of a brand new human life uh, and i was just kind of interested in seeing where their head spaces were at
0: during all so when you finally talked to them after, you know, you pitch the story and you go out and you you ask them if it's okay and stuff, wh- what did you kind of find? Was there anything that they told you about their experience that surprised you or you found particularly interesting?
1: Yeah, the uh, I think the thing that I like the most personally is that basically uh, one of the mothers was telling me how, you know, giving birth is kind of like a... Uh, you know, having a child, you know, typically in normal, normal times, it's, it's a very large, almost group oriented event where you have a baby and then you, you know, clean the baby, have the baby. And then immediately you have an influx of family, of guests, of friends, of just showing off the child, like, here's this, you know, this is a big group celebration. And now we don't have any of that. Uh, and, you know, when the moms was just telling me basically how, you know, it, it was a different mind, headspace she was in where she didn't have to be in performer mode anymore. It was just her, her husband, and the baby for a much longer time period than usual. And, and during that, she just kind of, you know, not that she wouldn't have anyway, but she really kind of lashed on these small details and things she learned about her baby. And just, it felt, it felt a, a little more personal or intimate, which, you know, I think is an interesting development with, you know, this new paradigm we're in, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, it is a very intimate thing. I mean, I guess in general, it's an intimate thing, but especially during these times. Were there any families that you kind of talked to that were hesitant to, to kind of bring this into like a journalistic spotlight or, you know, give you pushback on any questions or anything? I
1: think most were pretty welcome to the entire process. It was just more a matter of how we went about it and you know, sort of how involved it was going to be. Uh, you know, there were some parents who were not as concerned as others there were some who uh were totally open with a a phone call interview but were less receptive to me taking photos for the paper um you know so just kind of a matter of like figuring out what degree people wanted to be at trying to make them comfortable while you're you know interviewing them about a very personal uh serious incident part of their lives during a uh kind of a perilous
0: time. Yeah you mentioned art there and I wanted to ask you about that because not only are you the Sarasota community reporter right now but you've also done a bunch of black tie stuff not only at our paper but at other uh, papers in the Observer family. So you know when it came to photos for this story what was kind of your approach there?
1: So as soon as the idea got in my head uh, I I had a an idea for a photo and that, that's the best kind of work the one that comes to the most convenient in your brain that's when you know you got something a little bit more uh, clean. But basically, I, I just had this image of just a, a family like looking outside their window and just sort of capturing that they were in this barrier, kind of like there's a separation, but they're all together during it. And um, my biggest concern was, and this is just going to be luck of the draw, was just how is that window, that glass going to look when I take a photo of it? Uh, because I was very concerned that you would only see the reflection of the outside where I was standing and not so much them. Uh, but honestly, the photo I took, I think I think I got pretty fortunate because I think you get a good mix of the outside situation, but also their faces and some emotion there. Um, I just think it's interesting, and it was a key, way to kind of keep it fresh and enjoyable while I was doing this kind of slightly left of center story.
0: Oh, no, I totally agree. I think it's, uh, I mean, people can check it out on our website. I'll put a link in the description. But it's a great photo. It's some, um, like, Martin Scorsese stuff. Um <laughs> Uh, But I I also wanted to know, you know, did these people have any issue with you, you know, potentially like coming into their homes or anything like that?
1: Honestly, um, just because the story, the photo that I had in my mind wasn't going to require that. um, I didn't even really broach the topic with a couple of them because uh, it's just not, wasn't really something I was interested in getting involved with. uh, Possibly just getting into like a hazard area with a, uh, a family with a newborn child. Uh, I don't think karmically that would be very good in the long run for me. I think that would definitely what would send me to the bad place if I have if I'm not going already. Each family was a little bit more hesitant than the other, but we I just want to avoid that altogether just to keep everyone comfortable.
0: Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot, just kind of in general during this quarantine. Yeah. Is you know obviously we have a job to do and we're going to go do it no matter where that takes us. But in a time like this, where you know potentially doing your job could you know, affect other people in that way, get them sick or whatever. It's, 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 it's an interesting problem. And I don't know if there's really like a clean answer to it. There's no right or wrong, but it is, I don't know. Like what's, what's kind of your take on it? Is this the first time you've kind of felt hesitant to go report a story during this pandemic or have there been other times?
1: Oh no, I've felt that every single time I've gone out with my camera. Uh, Literally every time, but I'm also uh, a glass half full kind of person. Sometimes I want to assume the worst so we can avoid that situation happening. But yeah, no, I mean I think you're right. It's just it's a very odd situation. It really depends on each each uh, condition and context of this of the people you're speaking with, just sort of what they're comfortable with, and you kind of acclimate to that and respond to that. It's it's a much more personal situation than it was, you know, just two three months ago. Even in a way, yeah. I mean, I think I think being careful and responsible right now as journalists and making sure we're not uh, helping <laughs> expand a plague that uh, might, you know, tank our countries is, probably going to be good in the long run. I think we'll feel better about it in five to ten years time.
0: You know, because we mentioned art before, I wanted to ask you, you know, you you have so much experience in both reporting and photo stuff. So when you're reporting a story or when you're thinking about reporting a story, is there one that typically like comes to mind first? Is it, you know, you kind of get the image in your head and then you think about the story or is it vice versa?
1: Well, it genuinely depends on the situation. I mean, for a lot of stories, there might not be a, uh, a photo element that really Lines up as well as you'd like it. In those situations, you just find the best you can. You know, for more visually dynamic events, or you know, there was a, the Humane Society of Sarasota County recently had their adoption center just raised by a crane. You know, that was a story I did. But you know, my mind was really first and foremost looking at the photo. There are other stories with more kind of heart to them and more kind of deeper personality that I, I look at writing first. I don't know. Honestly, I, it's, it's kind of a tough question to answer. And that's kind of why I like it so much. It I never feel like I've got one set routine down for a story I'm doing. It always feels a little new, which is it, it can be stressful, but it keeps me kind of on my toes. And that's kind of all I want out of life at this point. So
0: do you have a I guess either one either a favorite photo you've taken or a favorite uh, story you reported or anything like that you could share? Geez, my favorite story.
1: Uh, well, in Sarasota, my favorite story is on this uh kind of adoption outreach agency that would help link up foster people, uh, foster children and families. And um, I kind of tagged along on that story where basically a photographer was taking photos of the foster child. And I was able to kind of capture that whole experience. And then also the people I spoke with it was really moving. And I thought that was the closest that I got the actual heart of that story into my writing. Um, you know, I kind of felt like I I did the best there. Uh, I've definitely. There's a lot of. There's you know. There, in Winter Park, there was this uh, this big metalwork festival. It was this uh, crafts kind of thing at the Creole Day School of, of art, and um, there was this big annual festival where they would have a uh, a welder. I'm not, I'm, using, I'm not using the right phrase, but a uh, kind of a person with a blowtorch, and they would be burning through metal in front of everybody and you have to wear these big glasses to keep your eyes from frying in your head or whatever. And that was just amazing because you could just turn all of your settings low and just use your camera to capture the light that's streaking across the metal and lighting up faces. And it just, it was the world itself giving you an opportunity to be creative rather than you trying to force it with your camera settings. And those, those opportunities don't come around a lot. Um, I, I speak from experience because a lot of my black tie events are just using a flash and trying to, to make it something out of just darkness. But um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's been very cool to be able to write and take photos in this context. I feel pretty lucky about that.
0: Yeah, man, that would be super cool. And as someone who, uh, you know, tries to photograph sporting events a lot of the time at night, <laughs> I definitely understand the lighting thing. It, it yeah. is, uh, it is heck.
1: No that that's a, that's a whole other level. That's that's really impressive stuff taking sports photos. I I don't know how you guys do it, but
0: uh, the answer is not very well.
1: Um. <laughs> well, you need like equipment that's like $3,000. I had a I had a coworker at the other observer office where he's like, "Oh man, I'm so ready for the bat- new volleyball game. I got this lens. It was only $2,000." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's cool. I guess I guess, you know, uh wage slattery is a good option if you want to go that route like I don't know. but it's fun. It's like it is addicting once you get a new lens and once you kind of like realize you can push the boundaries, you know, it's 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 a weird medium where you can have something in your head but your equipment can kind of stop you. And then once that 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 block is lifted, you do feel like you you've upgraded to a new level and and that is cool.
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. It's um if you You know whether it's an equipment thing or whether it's just you getting better at like finding the technique or the angle or whatever taking a good photograph is a really really satisfying feeling so i do agree with that um to wrap up you know this kind of newborn story that we've been talking about i'm curious because uh as we're reporting this the area is starting to kind of open up a little bit you know restaurants are at 25 percent capacity indoors Mm -hmm. and they can have outdoor seating and that kind of stuff so Did any of the families that you talked to, did they give you a sense that they were maybe going to stay inside longer because of their newborn and and wait it out? Or did they not seem to care? Or or what was the kind of consensus there?
1: A bit of both. I wouldn't say they wouldn't care. There was was one family that was basically under the impression that, you know, this is a concern, but, uh, you know, eventually we'll have to go back outside and we'll deal with that when it comes. Uh, And then there was another family who basically said, you know, we went into quarantine early and we are going to stay in quarantine. And that was a a bit more robust response, um, you know, and then uh, the third family based with, with the newest child, just, you know, they're going to allow family in slowly, but not for another few weeks at the least. Uh, it, is, it was an interesting look at kind of how three people approach the situation differently, just in shades, but those shades can, can say a lot about where their heads are at kind of. Uh, Yeah. So I mean, I think most are being overly cautious, which I th- I think you'd be overly cautious no matter what when you have like a new life in your house that just can't do anything but rely on you. I-, I think that I think this is just like another factor for them to think about when thinking about their their new kids.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I again, it's one of those things where there's like I don't know if there's a right answer. Like how how can you tell a a, a family that they're doing the wrong thing? You know, but um, yeah. Uh, so that is all really interesting, but we also like to have some fun here on the show. So I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I knew that at least for a long time, I don't know if you're still doing this, but you had been watching uh, a bunch of movies that you had never seen before at night. Um, Why did you kind of start doing that?
1: Uh, well, basically, I took a long look in the mirror, and I looked, you know, there's so much time and so much opportunity here. That's, that's the worst part of the pandemic, is that, like, there's so much time that it can, you can either use it or it can sink you. I say that as someone who has experienced both. But No, but basically, I was just like, you know what? I want to watch movies that I have never seen before. I don't want to rewatch, you know, Arrested Development for the 10th time. I want to just kind of push myself and get enriched by these, these movies or just watch some dumb movie that I've never seen before and I can laugh about. But just just some kind of novelty or freshness is really what I'm chasing, like at all times now. And uh, the movies have been a great part because I love the medium and I, I love the way that stories can can shape us and make us grow. And you're only going to get that if you watch new ones.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm a film head myself. Uh, I write a column called Binge Blog, which you should everyone should read <laughs> on EuroMovie dot com. You could be like our fifth reader ever, so that would be awesome. <laughs> um, But I wanted to ask you, you know, since this kind of experiment began, Mm. uh, any favorite films for you? Any new discoveries that you liked?
1: Oh, yeah, Uh, they're definitely I've got a huge list now. Um, Honestly, my favorites so far have been. The Florida Project, which I had known forever. Um, I, you know, I went to school in Orlando and then I worked in Orlando for two years. So I knew all about it. It's, it's a story about a kind of this hotel ecosystem with these children in uh, central Florida. And it was actually kind of fun because I recognized one of the uh, hotels I used to sneak around at as a kid uh, at, at, at back in college. But um, yeah, and... Uh, that was great. Inside Lewin Davis um, is a great Cohen Brothers movie. I'm not really as huge in the Cohen Brothers as others, but I think that movie is just like unreal and devastating and very powerful. Uh, they, it, it's definitely my favorite of theirs. Uh, the Happy Feet movies. I have watched both the Happy Feet movies. They are incredible <laughs> i am not kidding i love this movie so much i could watch them a hundred times they just get me going it's a bunch of dancing penguins that makes me want to dance even though i can't i'm never gonna you're never gonna see that no it's it's been cool i i kind of slacked a little bit because i've been re-watching community uh but i'm about to be done with that and i'm gonna get back on the train
0: yeah um i've been watching rewatching community myself so i totally understand that now that it's on netflix um but I, would, I was going to say, I think everyone, if you haven't seen The Florida Project, the first movie that uh, Harry mentioned there, you really should, especially if you grew up in Florida. You know everything about Disney and kind of the shadow at Castle and everything in the state. Um, it's a really powerful movie and some great performances from people who aren't typically actors. Um, the director, Sean Baker, like, made it a point to get you know some amateurs uh, in there, along with a guy like Willem Dafoe. But it's, it's really powerful, some really great performances, and uh, it made me tear up and cry a lot. So yeah. <laughs> I would I, highly recommend I, I maybe,
1: that. That movie got me good. What, yeah, what, is, uh, what kind of good news have you been watching lately?
0: You know, I've been binging this show called Babylon Berlin, uh, which <laughs> is a German series about post-World War I, but pre-World War II Germany, um, and how kind of the Nazi parties like, came into power without anybody realizing it it's a lot more fun than that sounds. There's a lot of like dancing and singing and stuff. It's not all like super dour <laughs> and depressing, but uh that's been really good. And that's been taking a lot of my time. But I also did watch a movie uh, from 1973. I want to say it's called The Long Goodbye. It's a detective story starring Elliot Gold. And it's really, really good. It's directed by Robert Altman. And it's just like the most beautiful, like Southern California scenery you've ever seen with Like a wisecracking detective. And it's not, it's just like, what what more could you want from a movie than that? It's just perfect to kind of throw on in like a Saturday afternoon while maybe you're having a drink or two and you're just kind of relaxing. And uh, it's great. If you haven't seen it, check it out.
1: I've been wanting to get into Robert all altman i've been thinking about that for a while you might have just convinced me fully i think
0: you should this was my first i had seen one other movie of his but this was my first one kind of like with film knowledge that i'm i'm watching his movies and it was uh it was an experience i think you should
1: yeah the only other two i wanted to mention are uh these it's from a director whose name i can't pronounce but um you know the lobster and a killing of a sacred deer which you know i've heard about for a while but they are uh Uniquely painful, mean movies that are occasionally funny. Uh, it's definitely an interesting movie during a pandemic, but uh, it's it they're they're not kind of movies you'll you'll uh, can compare to anything else. I really really like both of them, and got some great Colin Farrell in both. and You can't go wrong with that.
0: I totally agree. The Lobster is one of my favorite movies of the past decade or so. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe the weirdest love story you've ever seen.
1: I know it really yeah and it's just it's just a very it's a comedy but it, it'll go for your gut it'll hit you it's really a, it's kind of a, a bitter movie but I, I like that kind of thing where mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the dark moments kind of accentuate the moments of connection and it. it's that it, you need both to really have an impact
0: and an all-time great ending in that one too I love the yeah
1: the <laughs> God. yeah I won't lie a killing of a sacred deer actually really bothered me when I watched it I'm glad to put that on the air like this but it really made me feel bad and I just like Took a walk after the movie. I'm like, God, this is just—it's made my stomach twist up. Uh, that one is not as funny.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's not as no. funny. It yeah,
1: is good, it, but it is good. It is just—you uh, got to go to therapy after. But you know, we all should do that.
0: Well, yeah. I could talk to you uh, about movies for like an hour, man. But unfortunately, yeah. we do have to wrap up. Is there anything that you want to plug, either a story on the website or your Twitter? Instagram, whatever? Uh, Yeah,
1: no, just keep following my main page now, uh, Harry Sayer at Your Observer, because I'm kind of getting more into the story game, obviously, Uh, not many photo events as there are. And um, I got some good stuff coming down the way. Uh, My Instagram is Harry J Sayer, pretty basic. Uh, And I don't use my Twitter, and that's probably gonna hamper me uh, professionally down the road, but we'll worry about that some other time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh cool. You can also follow me on Twitter at RyanAcon. Um and as always read everything that is put on yourobserver.com because it is good content. Mm-hmm. Uh Harry Sayer, once again, thanks so much for joining me, man.
1: Harry, glad to be here. Glad you're doing this. And uh it's been a good good part of the event. So
0: thank you.